0: Let's turn to 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Starting a new chapter. That's always exciting. Let's read those first three verses together. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, like the other New Testament writers, Peter, in his writings, continually progresses from one rich truth to the next, tying them all together, point by point, beginning in chapter 1, which we've just finished chapter 1. And so far, just in that one chapter, we've looked at the new birth, and he references it again here at the beginning of chapter 2. The new birth, he talked about a living hope. He spoke about the resurrection, about our inheritance, about the griefs and trials that we go through for the proving or testing of our faith. Uh, He talked about the goal of our faith being obviously salvation. He spoke about the prophets and the angels. And then he said, therefore, prepare your minds... Gird up the loins of your mind, be self-controlled, talked about not conforming to this world, to be holy, that we are chosen, he he talked about purifying our souls, so we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, spiritual maintenance, just like somebody gives you a beautiful brand new car, free of no charge, but then it's your responsible to maintain it, to take good care of it. Just like our salvation is a free gift, but God has charged us with the maintenance of that salvation. He talked about loving one another, how important that is. In fact, in chapter 4, he goes on to say, above all, love one another fervently. And all of this, he says, because you've been born again. And this is how children of God are to behave, how they are to live. And so we begin chapter 2 with another therefore let's pray father we ask you to bless this time of study in your word that you would teach us feed us lead us grow us even as we've just read that that peter is encouraging us to grow thereby we ask you to bless this time of bible study now in jesus name amen therefore and again you always have to ask yourself why what why is the therefore therefore what is it Therefore. And it's in light of all the things in chapter 1 that we've just kind of recapped. Therefore, in light of all these things, lay aside or rid yourselves, putting away. These are different ways to translate this. Laying aside, rid yourselves, put away. And in the Greek, it's in what is called the aorist tense. And that means that this is to be done once for all. So, if we are walking as we should be, the following things that we're about to look at that Peter says we are to lay aside. Again, we're talking about the ideal. God's standards would be that these things would, be, would permanently disappear from the life of a believer. Five things. Peter lists five Sins, if you will, of attitude and speech. Which, if we hold on to these, these things have the potential to drive a wedge between us and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The first one, malice. In the Greek it's kakion. If I'm pronouncing it correctly, my Greek pronunciation is not the best. But it means wicked, wicked, ill will. Malice. Malice wicked ill will, spitefulness, malignancy. And a cancer, a benign tumor is one that is not terminal. It doesn't grow. It's just there, more or less. A malignant tumor continues to produce and grow and eventually will kill the person within whom it is growing. And so this is a malignancy. It's a cancerous thing. Spitefulness, malignancy. Webster says active ill will. Active ill will. Desire to harm another or to do mischief. Spite. Spitefulness. And you might think, well, Christians don't do those things, do they? Well, again, Peter says, no, they don't. They shouldn't. These things should be laid aside. But I won't even ask for a show of hands here this morning on how many have experienced malicious behavior from someone who is supposed to be a brother or sister in Christ. It's a sad thing. It ought not to happen, but sometimes it does. So the important thing for us here this morning is to make sure that we're not engaged in this kind of activity. It's, it's heartbreaking. I was just having a conversation with Pastor Ed on Friday about this. We were having lunch. We were talking about, again, some of the malicious things that people do who claim to be believers. That it's, it's, it's almost unfathomable that someone could intentionally do something harmful to another person, destructive, harming their, their ability to Provide for their family, their ability to have a job or a position. Things like this happen. It's a sad thing. But Peter says, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Surely, if we're born again by the Spirit of God, that should eliminate the possibility that we would have wicked ill will towards another person. And again, the the term spite comes in being spiteful, vengeful. The desire to harm another. That should never enter the heart or mind of a Christian. And what if it does? Then we need to repent. We need to fall on our face before God and ask for God's forgiveness. Ask Him to humble us, to break us, to take that from us. The next thing is deceit. And we're going to see how these different things that Peter addresses, they kind of connect with one another. If someone hasn't the intent of doing harm to another, that can often involve being deceitful. Dolon in the Greek deceit is deliberate dishonesty. Deliberate dishonesty. Webster, the act of representing as true what is known to be false, a deceiving. Or lying. And again like I said often. Malicious intent and deceit. Can go hand in hand. Again. This kind of activity should never. Emanate. From a believer. A born again spirit filled Christian. To intentionally deceive. Now I think as we go through this list. Something else you will see is. That unfortunately. We're living in a world. Where these kinds of sinful activities are becoming more and more predominant and I would propose that it's because again the rejection of God by our society because again where do these values come from now not intending to necessarily target Islam here this morning but it's a known fact that one of the teachings of Islam is that it is honorable to deceive your enemies they actually call Allah, their God, the great deceiver. And when you deceive an infidel, that's, that's an honor. They're, you're expected to do it. Now, in the Bible, who is the great deceiver? Satan. Satan. So obviously, if you're a child of God, deceit should not be on the table, Right? Sadly, sometimes it is for some people. Let me read this uh, passage from James, chapter 3. And then my point I was making is, we're living in a world where people are becoming increasingly malicious. Again, desire to harm another, active ill will. You've seen it on your TV set, almost on a daily basis. People in the name of love and peace and freedom... Are out destroying things, beating people up. How ridiculous is that? But that's what happens as a society becomes more and more godless. These things. And so there's, I think there's a greater challenge for us as believers. We can't allow ourselves to be sucked in or drawn in by that. Again, one of two things is going to happen. I think I've pointed this out more than once. Either the church is going to influence the world or the world is going to influence the church. Sadly, I'm afraid the latter may be happening more than the former. And so again, you you see more and more believers giving in to these fleshly, sinful activities. Malice, deceit. James 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's not very big, is it? Unless you're Gene Simmons from Kiss or something. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. Boy, we live in a, in a region where we've seen some horrendous forest fires. Uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado. Oftentimes it's caused by just a, a cigarette that somebody flicks off out of their car or, Off into the woods it can be a very small thing and yet then hundreds or thousands of acres are burned as a result. James is using that same analogy with the tongue. We have to be so careful. It's so easy just to to speak some flippant, make some flippant comment, speak some negative thing and never think another thing about it. Go on your merry way just like the guy that flicks his cigarette. You go on your merry way, half of the national forest burns down. You make some snide comment, go your merry way, and somebody's life begins to unravel because of things you said. And the tongue is fire, a world of iniquity. See, this is where your faith teachers are always promoting this idea that you can do all these great things with your tongue. What, you know what the Bible says about the tongue? The tongue is dangerous. You better guard it carefully. The emphasis is not on Naming and claiming a new car, you know, or a, uh, a glamorous uh, runway model for a wife or whatever, you know, or perfect kids, you know, or a dog that trains himself. In the name of Jesus, Bowser, train thyself. No, the Bible is much more concerned with the abuse of the tongue. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and gets, sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tame and has been tamed by mankind. You know, even lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You know, have been tamed, right, by men. But no man, verse 8, Can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You ever heard that expression, death by a thousand cuts? And sadly, we do that to each other, don't we? With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. And of course, one of the most horrendous abuses of the tongue is that of deceit. The act of representing as true what is known to be false, a deceiving or lying, deliberate dishonesty. Peter says, Lay it aside. The third one on the list. Hypocrisy. Pretended piety and love. Webster. A pretending to be what one is not. Or to feel what one does not feel. A pretense of virtue, piety, etc. Hypocrisy. Sadly... Probably for centuries. That's been a problem both in the church and out of the church. But within the church, because again, I would attribute a lot of it to legalism, where people are mistakenly led to believe that your salvation depends upon your own good works and your acceptance by God depends upon your own good works. Therefore, people feel like they must be perfect in order to please God. No, no, no. We could never be perfect, so God sent Jesus to die in our place. God is pleased by the sacrifice of His Son on the cross, and we come under His protective care when we confess our sins, when we humble ourselves before God and admit to Him that we know we could never be good enough. And it's only by His grace and His mercy that we can be saved. But hypocrisy is fostered and nurtured by this idea that if people don't perceive me as holy and spiritual and perfect, they're going to reject me. What did Peter say? Above all, love one another fervently because love covers over the multitude of sins. And that's why it's so important that each one of us can rather than buying into this worldly idea of building up our self-esteem you know paul warns in the book of romans don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to our ability to love one another have compassion for one another accept one another comes from the knowledge and the understanding that i'm just a vile wretched rotten sinner who am i to judge you therefore i can love you cuz we're the same All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We all need Jesus. We all need salvation. Hypocrisy and legalism go hand in hand, really. 1 Peter 1.22 that we studied last time. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere sinicera. Without wax in the Latin. Remember we talked about that, the, ve- the cracked vessel. And the potter would hide the crack with wax and then paint over it. That is hypocrisy. Without wax, sincere, here I am, warts and all. Let's love one another just as we are, like God did. When he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. Sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Hypocrisy. Oh, God bless you, brother. Man, that guy makes me sick. Hey, man, you shouldn't watch TV. It's full of evil and filth. Boy, I can't wait to get home and watch that R-rated DVD. Yeah, there was a church that I had some family members. uh, They used to attend. And I would classify it as a very legalistic church. And they were very outspoken from the pulpit against uh, people watching TV. I'm pretty sure they didn't allow anybody in their leadership to watch TV. Um, And yet, they were all known for going out to the movies all the time. See, that's hypocrisy. Inconsistency. Pretending to be what you're not. Again, what does Peter say? Lay it aside. Sometimes you may... Find that certain brothers or sisters in Christ are a little more rough around the edges than you would like. Perhaps maybe a little more graphic in their language than you would like. But you know what? I appreciate honesty. Not faking it. Not pretending to be somebody you're not. And God is the one who will work off the rough edges. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We don't help each other become all that God wants us to be in Christ by shunning one another, avoiding one another. Ew, that guy's gross. He's disgusting. Well, you're probably more gross and disgusting than you think you are. But by rubbing up against one another trying to encourage one another and be godly examples to one another. We help each other grow. We rub off the rough edges. That's how it works. The next one, envy. This is a tough one in the Greek. Pathanos. Envy is resentful... Discontent. Webster, a feeling of discontent and ill will because of another's advantages, possessions, etc. Resentful dislike of another who has something that one desires. Man, I'll tell you, that is rampant in our society today. Envy. That is just so destructive rather than being inspired perhaps by someone else's success or by the blessings that they receive from God and thinking wow that's amazing how God has blessed that person that means I could be blessed that way too if I follow God, if I'm faithful to God, if I'm obedient to God He'll bless me but instead people become envious how come they get it and I don't? That's not fair I know who they really are. They don't deserve it. I deserve it. And I've told you before, don't ever ask God to give you what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Don't ask God to give you what you deserve. Ask Him for mercy. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. Here's the Christian perspective, the believer's perspective. Paul is talking in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians about the body of Christ. He's talking about the various spiritual gifts that God gives to different members of the body of Christ. He talks about the the part that different members play. One person's an eye, another one is an ear, and we all have a, a part to play in the body. And we know that for the body to function properly, you need all the right parts, right? And it's sad sometimes because people think, well, it doesn't really matter if I go or not. I'm not important. I'm not needed. Not true. Even in ways that you're not aware of, God uses you. You are part of the body. Sometimes it's nothing more complicated than just somebody else coming to church and seeing you here, and they're encouraged by your presence. Obviously, there's more to it, but that's just a very simple example. Of a, f- a smile, a handshake, a hug, a word of encouragement, a prayer. And again, sometimes nothing more than just seeing, wow, that person's faithful. They're a good example. I see them here all the time. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six: If one part of the body suffers every part suffers with it now in order for that to happen the body's got to be connected right you know how when you stub your big toe and you kind of feel it all the way to the top of your head or your elbow you know that makes you very much aware of how connected your body is right that's how God wants the church to be he wants us to be so connected that when somebody's hurting the whole body is resonating with that praying for them, concerned about them, reaching out to them. And that's one of the blessings and advantages of having a smaller church like this. And yet I think we still have a long ways to go in fulfilling this. I think we're doing a good job, but you can always do better. Again, you can't really be connected unless you're spending time together, relating to one another. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Man, I can't believe they made that guy a home group leader. Are you kidding me? I would have been much better. See, that's what we're not looking for. That's that envy factor. Wow. I cannot believe the new car that guy got. Why wasn't it me? I deserve it. That kind of thing. Instead of rejoicing, Wow, well, Lord, thank you so much for blessing so and so. That's just so encouraging to see them being blessed. That's the attitude God is looking for in the hearts of his people. That when somebody else gets blessed, we rejoice. When someone else is suffering, we suffer with them. Exact opposite of the way the world operates, the exact opposite of these sinful traits, Peter is telling us we need to lay aside based upon everything we learned in chapter 1. We're to lay aside these things. These are supposed to be in the past, dead and gone. And then, finally, evil speaking or slander. Katalalias in the Greek, katalalias. It means backbiting lies, evil speaking or slander. Webster, the utterance in the presence of another person of a false statement or statements damaging to a third person's character or reputation. Again, We see it every day. It's widespread in our world today, in our culture, in our society. It should not be within the church. But sadly, sometimes Christians mask it with a prayer request. Man, you need to pray for brother so-and-so. I'm telling you, that guy is off the rails. Well, you know what? If you really think brother so-and-so is off the rails... You're supposed to go to him directly and say, I love you. I'm concerned. It seems like this is what's happening in your life. Am I right? Is this what, or am I misreading something? Am I misunderstanding? Yeah, I saw Pastor Gary over at the uh, Flying Star with this hot young brunette. Oh, man, that's bad. Well, my daughter, Tara, happens to be a hot young brunette. She's a beautiful girl, and uh, she's my daughter, but maybe you didn't know that. So now the word is out on the streets. Pastor Gary is seeing this hot young brunette on the side. You see how this works? That's slander. That's evil speaking. And it shouldn't happen with believers. While well, this passage in Proverbs has always been one that has stuck with me. It's pretty potent. But I think it's important that we know how God views these things. Obviously, he thinks it's important because he put it in his word. We really need to take it to heart. This is a scripture you probably should read on a regular basis. Proverbs six, sixteen through 19. These six things the Lord hates... That's pretty strong language, isn't it? If God hates something, man, we ought to be like, you know, you know, like the guy with the cross warding off the vampire, the big clove of garlic. If God hates it, we need to avoid it like the plague. Would you agree? These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven, are an abomination to Him. More strong language. Abomination. It doesn't get much stronger than that. Now, are there more than seven things that God hates? Yeah. Seven is the number of perfection or completion. This is a list of a complete number of things that God hates. And it relates directly to what Peter's talking about here in First Peter chapter 2. These sins of attitude and language. One, a proud look. And we all know what that looks like. And again, a proud look is indicative of a proud heart. And really, pride is at the core and the heart of all sin. If you kill someone then you believe your life is more important than theirs. You deserve to live. They don't. That's pride. Whether it's lying, stealing, cheating, killing, pride is at the core of sin. Even when you don't think you're prideful. Some people take pride in their humility. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Which means you're not really humble. You just think you are proud of the fact that I'm so humble. A proud look, a lying tongue which we've covered here with several of these involve evil speaking, slander, deceit involve lying. He hates it. We justify it sometimes, don't we? Well, it was just a little white lie. Well, I was just protecting them. No, you're really protecting you, right? Proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, thou shalt not kill, which means thou shalt not murder. There are instances where, unfortunately, killing is necessary or justified. No one should ever want to do it or enjoy doing it. But when it comes to defending your country, defending your family, Uh, officers of the law, military, they are put in a position where sometimes they have to kill. The commandment is, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood. God hates it. And I would propose to you, that would include not only people outside the womb, What blood could possibly be more innocent than the blood of an unborn baby? God hates it. I'm not condemning anyone here today that's had an abortion. I hope there's nobody here that has. But there's a good chance there is someone that has. What I'm condemning is the society and the culture that promotes it, cultivates it, endorses it, and encourages it. If you have been a victim of that, I'll call you a victim. Because in many cases, the girls and the women who get abortions have not been fully educated. They haven't had it explained to them. And again, particularly if someone is not a believer, they don't have that understanding of the sanctity of human life. Because it's been bred out of us as a culture, as a society, with the inculcation of Darwinism, evolution, removing God from the schools, the classrooms. I have one article here today, I didn't read the articles, but it's about a student who was giving a graduation speech. And of course the speech has to be submitted to the uh, powers that be for uh, inspection, And in her speech, she was going to pray in the name of Jesus, and she was not allowed to do so. Just one of many instances. God forbid that we should have God in the schools, in the public arena. Although it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that decade after decade, generation after generation, as we have pushed God farther and farther away from the public arena our society and our culture have deteriorated exponentially. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And again, we've got this culture today. If there's no God, if there's no creator, if human beings are just animals, if the life of an unborn child is so insignificant unimportant and invaluable that we can slaughter them en masse in the womb. Who's to say that you're wrong to go out and kill somebody that makes you mad? Hello, GOP baseball game? Do we all know about that? Oh, hey, are those guys out there Republicans or Democrats? Republicans. Bam, 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 bam. Because anybody who doesn't agree with the other side is evil. Anybody who doesn't agree with the platform of the Democratic Party, which promotes homosexuality, lesbianism, abortion, on and on it goes. And if you don't agree with that, you're evil and you deserve to die. Could that be hands that shed innocent blood? That's the world we're living in today, folks. And again, you can't blame non believers for acting like non believers. We have failed. We have failed to hold the standard, to set the example, to stand firm. That every time one of these things comes up no more prayer in the school, no more Bibles in the school we don't say anything. We don't stand up. We don't insist that our constitutional rights are protected the right to free speech, freedom of religion. We need to to look at ourselves. Peter said, judgment begins with the house of God. We are the restraining force in the world, but if we're not restraining, then we shouldn't be surprised when things go south. Okay, what else have we got here? A heart that devises wicked plans. Again, this deliberateness that we've talked about this morning. The malice, the wicked ill will. Deceit, deliberate dishonesty, and so forth. Envy. A heart that devises wicked plans. And that could, be, that could be many things. I think you can come up with your own list. And then feet that are swift in running to evil. Evil. You know how people are attracted by traffic accidents and other, you know, fires. You know, all of a sudden the crowd gathers. They want to see what's happening. Oh my gosh, somebody just jumped out of the fifth story window. They get all worked up. They get all excited. There's, a, there's an expression within the news media community. If it bleeds, it leads. Did you know that? That's what the, the news people actually say. If it bleeds, it leads. Feet that be swift and running to mischief, you know, rather than running to righteousness. Running towards God, swift, whenever there's an opportunity to observe or engage in evil. God hates it. It's tantalizing, it's tempting, but God hates it. Finally, a false witness, that slander, that evil speaking, a false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. And all these other things being described here certainly have the potential to sow discord among brethren. A proud look. A lying tongue. So forth. And this is one I don't think people take seriously enough. God hates it when we do things that cause division within the body of Christ. But some people have such a... a Desperate need to look good, hypocrisy, a look good, a desperate need to be right. My need to be right is more important than you are. And whatever it takes for me to prove myself to be right, now I might not be right. I think I'm right. But it's so important to me to be right, I'm willing to destroy you to prove it. I'm willing to destroy a church. We have know the stories. And God knows the devil's tried to do it here many times. But God has seen fit to keep the doors open. I never cease to be amazed that people can enter into these kinds of activities with no thought for what it's doing to others. You know, we've had vicious, malicious people attack our school and our teachers and our administration and go on face social media now. Oh, my gosh. You talk about the ability to destroy somebody in a heartbeat. Social media. I would warn you. Be very, very careful. Uh, there was another story about a teacher who uh, made some anti-Islamic comments on Facebook and they lost their job. Now, What the teacher didn't realize if they were slamming Christians and Jesus they'd have been fine. Nothing would have happened. But the playing field is not level. God hates divisiveness. Sometimes we're called not sometimes, all the time we're called to be peacemakers. Sometimes being a peacemaker means you're the first one to apologize even you know you didn't do anything. Get it? Pride says, oh no, I'm not doing that. They were wrong. They need to apologize. Well, maybe technically that's true. But what does a peacemaker do? A peacemaker steps out, makes the first effort, and says, you know what? Whatever, if I did something to offend you, if I said something, whatever it was, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And oftentimes when you do that, as the innocent party, the response is the guilty party actually apologizes too. They repent too. They're certainly not going to repent if you stand your ground in pride and say, you know what, you're wrong and I'm right. Even if you are right and they are wrong. Pastor Chuck Smith used to say from time to time when issues would come up within the Calvary Chapel movement and there were pastors that weren't really in agreement with Chuck's vision that he had for Calvary Chapel. And they wanted to bring in, say, Calvinism, for example, or they wanted to do something else that really didn't line up with the, the uh, belief system, the directives, the distinctives of Calvary Chapel. And he would just encourage them, you know. He says, don't go away, Matt. Just go away. <laughs> and that's, and I guess, well, I guess that does happen around here because usually when people leave, they don't talk to me. They just go. So I guess that's Okay. I'd rather get a chance to talk with them and find out what's bothering them. But nonetheless, and I had a friend who was a very successful banker. In fact, uh, he passed away a couple years ago. I was called up to Colorado to uh, preside over his memorial. And his widow, been a friend for many years. I'm not saying her name, so I guess it's okay to do this. She donated $100,000 for this gym one person but I called him up you know early on in the church we were having problems somebody leaving stirring up a lot of trouble on the way out the door and I called up this guy for some advice as you know And he had a lot of experience in the corporate world with the same thing happening. People leaving disgruntled and so forth. And he said, people never leave quietly. They always have to try to take you down on their way out. Shouldn't be like that in the church though. Shouldn't be like that with Christians. We can understand people in the world behaving like that. They don't know God. They're not born again. They don't have the Holy Spirit. But certainly in the church, it shouldn't be like that. And yet, sometimes it is, sadly. So again, all I can say to you here this morning is, please don't be like that. Okay? We can't change the fact that some people do those things. We can't change the fact that some people have done those things. All we can do is pray to God and do our best not to be like that. And Peter makes it very clear that as a new creature in Christ, we are to lay those things Aside and not do them anymore. I'm going to finish uh, with a couple things. None of these things should have any place in those who are born again. And by the way, I'm just saying, okay? Jesus said, this is one of those owie moments. Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. And again, God has given us the ability in Christ by the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, before you take communion, he says, let a man examine himself. In the Psalms, David writes, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. We have the ability, the capacity through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word to practice self-examination. And if in the course of that self-examination we find any of these things rolling around in there then we need to repent, we need to confess our sins, ask God to forgive us, to wash us, to cleanse us, to fill us with His Spirit and enable us going forward not to do it anymore. Because God takes these things very seriously. None of these things should have any place in those who are born again. Rather, in obedience to the Word, not obedience to me, Pastor Gary, or any other human, obedience to God's Word, believers are to make... This is an important word. Believers are to make a decisive break with the past. Makes it a decision, it's a choice. Oh, I can't help myself. No, but God can help you. I like to say God empowers right choices. Well, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to go there cuz I know I can't do it. Some people put off receiving Christ for this reason. Well, I'd like to be a Christian. I'd like to know God. But I know in my heart of hearts I can't do it. And I don't want to be a fake or a phony or a hypocrite so I'm not even going to go there. Have you ever heard that one? Hey listen. God knows you can't do it. That's why Jesus did it on the cross. Don't let that stop you from coming to Christ. Make the right choice, the right decision. Be decisive and you will find God empowers you and enables you To live for Christ. Not perfectly. We all stumble in many ways. According to James. And he's right. Believers are to make a decisive. Break. With the past. Decide. Choose. What did Joshua tell the children of Israel. When they were getting ready to go into the promised land. Choose this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house. We will serve the lord choose see that's another thing one of the great deceptions of the 21st century is you don't have a choice everybody's a victim you know you're swept along by your circumstances you're swept along by forces and powers outside of your control that's only true if you allow it but you have the choice you can choose christ you can choose life You can choose the right and reject the wrong. The greatest lie the devil has ever foisted upon the human race. You don't have a choice. You are who you are. You are what you are. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can choose God. You can choose Christ. You can choose life. I encourage you to choose wisely. One final little quote as we talk about all these things that we are to lay aside. Charles Schultz, Peanuts, comic strip. Lucy, we all know Lucy, right? She probably fits in every one of these categories. The malice, the deceit, and so forth. Lucy asks Linus, the guy with the blanket, right? Lucy asks Linus, do you think people ever really change Sure, replies Linus. I feel I've changed a lot this past year. Lucy says, I meant for the better. Wow. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, wow, what a heavy list. And obviously these are things that are very important to you. You've communicated them to us through your servant, the Apostle Peter. Peter. And these were obviously major issues even in the first century. Very destructive things that can wreak havoc in our lives, in the body of Christ. Lord, the, uh, the envy, the malice, the, the evil speaking, the slander, all these things that Peter talked about are so destructive. And yet, sadly, it seems like in many cases our world has come to just accept them as normal and natural. Everybody lies. Everybody deceives. Everybody's out to get the other guy. Lord, that could very well be true in the world. It should not be true in the church, in the body of Christ. And Lord Jesus, you died to set us free from sin, to provide us with forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. And you also died so that we could become new creatures in Christ and lay aside these things. Lord, we thank you that when we do stumble, when we do fall short, when we do fail, You're there to forgive us, to cleanse us, to pick us up and get us on the right track again, Lord. But we know that that means we must practice confession and repentance of sin on a regular basis. And so, Father, there could be someone here this morning, even now, who is convicted by your Holy Spirit. They realize they have trafficked in some of these activities and they are truly sorry for it. They are broken. They are humble. They are repentant. We pray that today they would seek your face and receive forgiveness restoration healing and Lord there may be others that have been victimized by these things and it's resulted in a bitterness in their own hearts and minds they can't let it go we ask you to set them free today Lord no matter what anyone has done to us we have an obligation to forgive to give it to you to repent of any anger bitterness or resentment that we might hold within our own hearts to be peacemakers So God, this is heavy stuff, but we know that it's not too big for you. And we ask that no one would leave here today with a heavy heart, but everyone in these closing moments would receive ministry from your Holy Spirit and as directed by your Spirit would come up and receive prayer here this morning. Thank you for this time together. We pray again for the fathers for a wonderful, blessed Father's Day. We thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.